Heavenly Father, thank you for this series. We praise you, Lord. We honor, we exalt, and we adore you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, as you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, I want to welcome you to Women in Revival podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join me. It's a privilege, and I'm praying that this time that we will be spending together around God's table, may the Lord equip your heart, equip my heart in Jesus' name. I'm praying once again that the year 2020 would be for you and I a fruitful year in God's vineyard, in our work with God, and in our work with Him. On this series, this time, I want us to look at a scripture that has been a blessing to me. A couple of weeks or months ago, it was as though I've never gone through this particular chapter of the Bible, even though I've read it many, many times and it's been a blessing. So we are just going to consider a few thoughts together as we look at this particular chapter of the Bible. On this series, we are looking at the king shall be enthroned again. And don't forget, you can go to our website, www.okofrighteousness.com dot co dot uk and our contact us page have every necessary information needed and also you can contact us on plus four four seven nine four four three nine eight four one five so on this series we are looking at the king shall be enthroned again we want to settle this time in the book of first kings chapter one the king shall be enthroned again we see in many of our nations, many of our countries, our King Jesus seems to be the throne. In many of our schools, you know, I once visited an old lady some years back. And while we sat in her living room, she was sharing with me those days in school. You know, she was saying to me, I think she went to one of the secondary schools actually within my borough. And she was saying in those days, they used to, you know, read the Bible or so during school assembly. She said on the last day of school, when they are leaving secondary school, they were usually given a Bible or so, now if I'm correct. But looking back to what schools have become, what our generation have become, it's as if King Jesus is being removed from many aspects of our society life, from many aspects of our communal life. And it seems God is wanting to bring himself back onto our national life, onto our school life, onto our business life. And I see God encouraging my heart that, look, Deborah, don't worry. The king shall be enthroned again. If you and I play our part, we will see our Lord Jesus being enthroned again. So today, let us look at the king's need. First Kings chapter 1 and verse 1 to 4 says, now, King David was old, advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Therefore, his servant said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our Lord the King, and let her stand before the King, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, that our Lord the King may be warm, Verse 3, so they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel and found Abishag the Shunammite and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely and she cared for the king 
and served him, but the king did not know her. So may the Lord bless his word as we quickly share few thoughts together. The king's need. So we are seeing this story, which is the story of King David, a time when King David has grown old. So we were told that there was this need in the life of King David. King David, as you know, was a man of greatness. He was a great man of war. Through David, God did valiantly. And now we are seeing that that strong David, that agile David, that able David, at the end of his life, when we are meeting him in this first Kings chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 that we read, we can see that his strength was declining, isn't it? Physically, he was helpless. He couldn't keep heat again. He couldn't keep warm again. And I think some of us can identify with that season of life that David was in. So because he couldn't keep it again, his servant asked that a search be made for a virgin who will meet the need of the great King David. Yes, when I read it, I read from the New King James Version. And the New King James Version says, let a young woman, a virgin, a virgin be sought for the king. So they made a search for a virgin who will meet the need of King David, whose health was declining at this junction in his life. And fortunately, they found Abishad, a Shunammite, who was fair, and she cherished and ministered to the King David. And as we look at our generation, is godliness not declining? Godly young men, godly young women, godly married women, godly husbands, godly wives, godly community, and I dare say even godly church is scarce. Even in the church of God, the truth is declining. The teachings on sin and the grace of God is declining. Men of holiness, men of righteousness are declining on our pulpits. The preaching of the gospel, which is the power of God, is declining in many, many of the church. Christian unity, which should be the strength of the church, is declining. Families are failing in producing godly men and godly women. Godly parenting is declining. Even among the people of God, our strength has gone down. And is our strength not declining? So we see King David, though once a valiant man, but tens of years after, his strength was failing. And we, the church, we were once strong. The church and United Kingdom was such a strong force in time gone by. We were once strong and effective, particularly here in the West, but today it seems we are declining in biblical standards. The voice of the church on matters such as sexuality, gender, marriage, and so on is declining. We cannot unanimously speak out on the biblical view on matters that our society is struggling and debating on and trying to grasp you can see that the strength of we, the church, is failing. Modesty, a virtue amongst women of piety in the early church, has become a shadow of itself. Pastors and pastors' wives are the ones promoting modesty in the church of God. Is our strength not declining? Chastity, a precious gift amongst young women of old, 
is more or less today an history. Many of our young girls are corrupt and defied. Some who seems to be virgin in their bodies are defied with uncleanliness. Filled with things have occupied their mind. They filled their hearts with pornography. They've given in to filled with things over the internet. The media has corrupted their minds, whereby we have young girls and young women who no longer value chastity in churches and in our society. Are we not declining in strength? The treasures of biblical doctrines, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer is being exchanged for social gatherings, pamper nights, beauty nights, couples dance in many of our local congregations. Is our strength not declining? Let me read briefly from Psalms 12 verse 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man sees it. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. Is this not true of our situation and our circumstance as the body of Christ? Acts chapter 13 verse 36 also says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. David came, he lived, he served the Lord, in his own generation. And we are seeing his story written in this first Kings chapter 1. And between verse 1 and 4, we can see thy strength failed. Just as the strength of many, many, many of our churches, of many of the church in many of our nations. The church has failed in strength. We have declined in strength. David lived, he served his generation in his own time and it is your time it is my time now for the king to be enthroned again in our churches in our schools in our boroughs in our state in our nations and the nations at large i am seeing god throwing a challenge to us he is seeking for a virgin just as abishag was sought for the king david to keep king david warm to brighten his day god is seeking the god who is able to do whatsoever he wants to do by himself is giving you an either privilege to come and be relevant in his will. You know, some days ago, my daughter was asking me, Mom, why is it that God sometimes he opens our eyes to see things that are about to happen and ask us to intercede? Why do God need us to intercede? After all, he can do anything. Why don't he just go ahead and stop the thing? And I was saying to her that, look, that is the humility of God. Even though he can do anything, yet he gives space. He leaves room for mankind to come in and be relevant in his purpose, in his plan, and in his counsel. And that is what I'm seeing God wanting to do again in this year 2021 and beyond, if Jesus tarries. He wants to enthrone himself again in your life. He wants to enthrone himself again in your home, in your church, on our streets, in our nations. Yet, he is seeking for his Abishag. Men and women who are willing to minister to him. Men and women who are willing to be in his presence. He wants to raise up his own Abishag. Who will warm up the declining church. Who will warm up our declining generation. Who will brighten the space. Who will bring forth the bright and shining light to every facet of our societal life. Who will bring warmth again 
to our schools, to our hospitals, to our banks and various parts of our society. I'm seeing God saying, I am almighty. I am omnipotent. I am omnipresent. I am omniscience. I can do all things with you or without you. But I have given you the privilege to come and be my strength to your needy world. I want to walk in your world through you. Give me space. Will you be my Abishag? Will you be my Abishag to your husband? Will you be my Abishag to your local church? Will you be my Abishag to your school? Will you be my Abishag to your workplace? Will you be the one that will carry my warmth, that will carry my heat even back to your local church? Oftentimes, we've complained about the state of the church. We've gossiped and backbite among the church over and over again. But I am seeing that the declining of the church actually is my declining. The church is where the church is today because I contributed to what the church is today. And God says, I am now seeking for Abishag. Women who will be willing to be on their knees in prayer for the church. Women who will be willing to write Bible study for the church. Women who will be willing to build the church back again, to restore godliness, to restore righteousness. Families who will be willing to raise their children in a unique way so that their children will be heralds of the gospel wherever they find themselves in their conduct, in their lifestyles, in their speech, in their action. This is the king's need. The king's need you. Will you be his Abishag? Will you be the one who will bring warmth to our core generations? Our government have tried. Our politicians have done their best. But it seems their best is not enough. Because what God can do, no man can do the same. And God wants to walk through you. He wants to walk through me. God wants to make you and I the answer to the coldness of our society. He wants to bring his definition to gender again. He wants to bring the understanding of godly womanhood to our world again. Will you be that woman who will bring warmth, who will bring God's heat? to this cold, cold generation. Amen. Father God, we thank you once again for the continuity of this series. And I am praying that you will yet, Lord, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome you back to the Women in Revival podcast. And I'm praying that this series will encourage your heart. It will charge you. It will steer your heart to seek Him further and to be part of the army that the Lord is mobilizing. We started this series yesterday. If you have missed yesterday's series, please do go back to our website www.ocoffrighteousness.co.uk and you will find the series that you've missed or the episode that you've missed. So we started this series, The King Shall Be Enthroned Again. The King of Kings, the ruler of the universe, the creator of the heaven and the earth, the one who owns every state, every country, 
shall be enthroned again. He wants to see himself enthroned in our family system, in our judicial system, in our economic system, in every aspect of life, in our educational system. And last time the Lord was saying to us, the coldness in our society will continue unless you and I arise as is Abishag, the carrier of his warmth to our generation. And I'm praying as God is seeking his own Abishag in this time that we are trusting for an outburst of revival. I'm praying that God will find you as is Abishag. You know, Ezekiel 22, 30 tells us that the Lord sought for a man amongst them to stand in the gap. It is my prayer that God will find you as that man in the gap, as that woman in the gap, as that wife in the gap, as that mother in the gap, as that sister in the gap, as that colleague in the gap, so that the warmth of our God can flow through every facet of our societal life. So today we are going to go on, on this series, The King Shall Be Enthroned Again. Let us look at the pride of Adonijah. We have been looking at the book of 1 Kings chapter 1. And I'm praying that as we share these few thoughts together, the Lord will stir up a burden in your heart for revival. Amen. The pride of Adonijah. So last time we met King David, who was at his old age and couldn't keep heat again. And at this junction needed someone to keep him warm. And an Abishag was brought to King David. So let's go and read now from verse 5. We will read up to verse 10. And it says, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggit, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. Are you saying, Adonijah, the son of Haggit, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. Are there not many things that are exalting themselves in our generation? So, and he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen. Are you saying, Adonijah exalted himself that he was going to be king, and therefore he prepared chariots and horsemen for himself. The enemy wants to make himself king in our family life. He wants to make himself king over our judicial system. He wants to make himself king over our social system, over our educational system. All sorts of things the enemy is preparing to take over godliness in our schools, in many of our workplaces. So he prepared chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had born him after Absalom. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest. And they followed and helped Adonijah. Are you seeing Adonijah now? Are you seeing him? He has exalted himself and he has prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and what have you. And we see how strategic he was. He sought for himself alliance, even with Joab. He planned his coup properly. So he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. And I think the situation we are seeing here is still the situation till today, all over our world, in many of our society. And verse 8 says, 
Bezadok the priest, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Rei, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. So these are godly men. And verse 9, And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen, fatted cattle by the stone of Zehulet, which is by Enrogel. He also invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants, but he did not invite Nathan, the prophet Benaiah, the mighty man of Solomon, his brother. So we are seeing Adonijah exalting himself. Adonijah exalted himself to be king over Israel. Because at this junction, his father David was old. So he knew that his father was about to go the way of his great, 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 great father. So Adonijah made himself the self-king. So I am seeing the damage that takes place when strength declines. You know, last time we saw that the strength of David declined. So when those who are supposed to step up fail to do so, we leave a vacancy open. And such vacancy will be left open for the enemy to usurp authority. That is what we are seeing in the case of Adonijah. The declining of the health of David gave Adonijah to get into the little crack and exalted himself as a king. And in verse 5, the Bible says, Adonijah exalted himself. When Adonijah saw the strength of the king, that his strength was declining, Adonijah arose and put himself forth as king over the people of Israel. He said to himself, I will be king. So when he saw the failing of the strength of the king, who was his father, he proposed in his heart that he would be the king, that he's going to use that opportunity to make himself king. And because he had a vision in his heart to be king, he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. The kingdom of darkness is always well prepared. They are strategic. You see people who are not Christian, you know, pushing for maybe the seat of a mayor, pushing for the seat of an MP, pushing for the seat of a councillor, pushing for the seat of a, of a governor. While they are pushing, they already have their agenda, things that they are going to carry out. So we are seeing Adonijah following suit also. So Adonijah also gathered to himself, renounced men of the kingdom renounced men in his father's cabinet isn't it joab do you remember joab that great soldier so he took joab abiatar the priest and these ones helped to enthrone adonijah as king as the enemy not stolen godly men some people that before we know we are hearing that oh even this one now is supporting gay even this one now is supporting homosexuality even this now this one now is after gen gender fluidity and you are wondering what is happening. Sometimes you see that, oh, even the synod, they are, they are clamoring for this. They are clamoring for that. So Adonijah wooed Joab unto himself. And they helped to enthrall Adonijah as king. And you see, when the church strength begins to fail, when we begin to introduce unsound doctrine, when we are taking, when we are, not taking our stand on the integrity of God's word concerning gender, concerning marriage, concerning family. If we are not taking our stand, 
on what the Bible teaches, then we get ourselves into trouble. Then the Adonijahs, the unruly children of our days, will begin to creep in. We will begin to have priests who are presiding over church just because they earned a degree in theology and not because they are born again. They may not be a believer. They may not even believe in God. But because they have the certificate, they begin to teach and lead the people of God. And how do you want them to lead the people of God if they don't believe in God? Obviously, they lead them astray. If our strength is failing, we will begin to have ungodly and non-believers as our worship leaders. We will begin to have people playing church instruments, but they don't know the Lord. When our strength is declining, we begin to make room for anybody and anybody to come and have a place, even in church worship. When we, the church, declined in setting the biblical standards, men and women of unrighteousness will creep in and take over from us in the church. You know, I call to mind the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the many creeds that were introduced in the early church. Were they not a way to reinstate the divinity and the humanity of Christ? Because some Adonijahs were creeping in. Because at such time, Adonijahs were seeking to speak against the deity and even the humanity of Christ. And if in our generation also, we do not reinstate the biblical standard, the sound doctrine of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ, these Adonijahs will cause the church great havoc. And I believe we are already seeing them. Another thing was how Adonijah put strategy in place. I think that really struck me. How he strategized, you know, in order to enthrone himself as king. You see, he prepared chariots. He prepared horsemen. He prepared 50 men to run before him. Wow. This really challenged me. And it should be a challenge to us, the church, and an individual member of the church. There is a need for us to prepare the church Sometimes, you know, we the church, we can be very passive. We can be very passive in preparing people for politics, prepare people, you know, for secular places. Not everybody will have to be on the pulpit. No, the world is strategizing how to take over this world. But we the church, we are not well strategized. And if we are not well strategized, the Adonijahs of our time, they will hijack opportunities. So it seems the need to prepare to prepare ourselves as a church seems to be passive and yet men and women of old who brought revival they were not passive they were active and skillful isn't it you think of men like william Wilberforce. he was not passive he was active he was active in his faith and active in his political pursuit and active in what agenda, in what bill he was going to promote in the House of Parliament. And in Adonijah's preparation, in verse 7, the Bible says, He conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar the priest. So in preparing, he conferred with these two people. He did not pursue his mission alone. He sought men who will run along with him in order to realize this mission and did our lord also not raise disciples too who could labor over others as they do they enthrone jesus in their generation so that there be no declining in strength jesus raised disciples 
who raised disciples, who raised disciples and raised disciples. But where are we today in the church? Discipleship seems to become a thing of the past. We talk of mentoring, we talk of coaching and the various things. But the biblical discipline of life, of raising men and women who will be like Jesus, whether they are in schools as teachers, whether they are in hospitals as doctors, as nurses, there is the need to raise men and women who are the Jesus in every sphere of influence that they find themselves. This was what the men of old did. They labored over others, and as they labored, they were able to enthrone Jesus in the hearts of men and even in every facet of life so that there could be no declining of strength anyway. And do I need to talk of the many Adonijahs in our social, educational, and various system? You know that many of the religious system is run by Adonijahs. You know that family are monitored and directed by Adonijahs. You know that the economy of many of our nations are undoed by Adonijahs. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8 says, He who digs a pit falls into it, and whoever breaks through a wall will be beaten by a serpent. Whoever breaks an edge, serpent shall bite. Woman, if we are breaking the edge, if we are not allowing the strength of Christ to become our strength as an individual and as a church, then we give room to the Adonijahs to come in through the little gap that we leave out. When the edge is broken, serpent will bite. When we decline in following biblical standards as an individual, in your family life, do you follow the word of God? In your own personal dealing with people, do you follow what the word of God says? Are you true to your word? Are you a woman of righteousness? Are you a woman of godliness? Do you get to work at 9 and you write 8.05? Are you a woman of integrity? If Adonijah will not step in and take over from the church, it starts with you. It starts with me. How devoted are you to the word of God? If we are not following the biblical truth that has been handed down to us, we will give room to the Adonijahs to plan and sponsor themselves to rule and direct the affairs of our society, of our nations. And this is what we are seeing happening in many, many of our nations. And I'm praying that indeed we will arise to cast down every Adonijah and to bring every item that seeks to exalt itself against the knowledge of God to bring them down and to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, as our own obedience is first complete. God says, Adonijah will continue to exalt himself, will continue to seek room to display himself. If you, the so-called Christian, is not living now the gospel imperative and the gospel declarative, if you, the so-called Christian, is not living up to the biblical doctrine, to the biblical view, to the biblical standard in your workplace, in the choices you make in your family, then unknowingly you leave room for Adonijah to step in and to usurp authority. And before you know it, our churches are being run over by Adonijah. Our children are being taught by Adonijah in Sunday school. Our students are being taught by Adonijahs in their schools. Laws are being made 
by Adonijans for our families. And it seems we have no way out. And it is my prayer that the Lord will help you to bridge any gap that you may have created in your own personal work with God so that God himself can take the rightful place and shut the lips of any and every Adonijans in our society. For our King Jesus shall be enthroned again as you play your part, as I play my part, as you are there to the biblical truth in your daily living. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this privilege again. Even as we continue on this series, and I am praying that you will yet again open our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome you back to this series of Women in Revival podcast. We are still going through the King shall be enthroned again. And it is my prayer that the Lord will speak to your heart as we journey through this series together. We are living at a very critical time. A time that if we the church engage well could be the beginning of the revival that we have been praying and we have been seeking for. If you have missed any episode, you can go back to our website www.oakofrighteousness.co.uk And if you need to contact us, go on our contact us page where you can contact us or you can WhatsApp call text us on plus four four seven nine four four three nine eight four one five so today let's go and look at the wise counsel of nathan we have been looking at the book of first kings chapter one and we saw we met david at his old age when his health was declining when he needed it he needed to be kept warm and how a virgin was sought for him to keep him warm and then we saw last time his son Adonijah, who usurped authority, who proclaimed himself as the king. He was very prideful. And we saw how he had a very good strategy in making himself king. So today, let's go and see how God raised for himself a wise counselor in the person of Nathan. And I believe we need many, many Nathans in the church today. So the wise counsel of Nathan. So we are going to read First Kings again, chapter 1, and we'll read verse 11 to 14. I will read from the New King James Version. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggite, has become king, and David, our Lord, does not know it? Come, please. Let me now give you advice. Are you saying him that you may save your own life and the life of your son, Solomon? We need such men in the body of Christ. So verse 13 says, Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? Then, while you are still talking there with the king, 
I also will come in after you and confirm your words. Wow, I love this strategy. I'm saying that, yes, the pain of what the Adonijahs are causing in my generation is very heartbreaking. Yet, I'm seeing that there is hope. If God can begin to find his own Nathan, his own counselors, then could that be the beginning of something new? So, though Adonijah has made himself king, so we are seeing an elder at the gates. We are seeing a faithful man, a faithful prophet in Israel. He saw what was happening. And he therefore went and called on Bathsheba and had a dialogue with Bathsheba. I see a man who had knowledge of what David had spoken to Bathsheba. You see, he said to Bathsheba, go in. This is what you will say. Did you not promise? So that means he knew what David told Bathsheba concerning Solomon becoming the king. So we are not talking about Christians who are just locked up in church building, who are just locked up, you know, reading their Bible. Thank God for monks. Thank, thank God for the opportunity to lock yourself up and be praying and reading and studying the word. There is a time for that. But we must also acquaint ourselves with the societal life. We must know what is going on in our community so that we can represent God appropriately. So we see... Nathan stepping in to awake Bathsheba from a slumber. This is a faithful man of God. And does this not also remind me of Mordecai, who started Esther also, that Esther should arise to her responsibility as she approached King Zazis. And you know, when Joab also arranged with the wise woman of Tekoa to approach King David, so oftentimes, you will see that when there is a matter, there is a need for someone to arise to step in. And God raised Nathan at such a time to step in. A time when the pride of Adonijah has taken over. And I am saying that the damage the enemy is doing is reversible. As long as God finds you, as long as God finds me, the moment God finds for himself responsible men and women who can push the women, you know, to go in before the king of the universe in intercession. You know, at a time when Bathsheba was unaware of what was going on, Nathan awoke Bathsheba to reality and also told her what to do and what to say as she gets in with the king. Can God give us such godly people in the church again and if you look at these verses that we have read first kings 1 for 11 to 14 you will see that not only did nathan intend to send Bathsheba in to the king in verse 14 he said while you are still talking there with the king i also will come in after you and confirm your words so he himself was planning to come in to join Bathsheba in pushing forth the matter before the king. So he wasn't just going to raise intercessors. He himself was going to be an intercessor. And I am saying that the enemy will continue to reign unless the prophets of God, the ministers of God, get up and begin to call women to the place of going into the king. First, on a personal level, 
there is something that I actually detest. A situation where we gather women to be praying, praying and praying. And these women have no closet life. These women are struggling with their own personal prayer life. So if we are gathering women who are praying all over the world, praying in various places, they are the wailing women of our time, and they don't have a personal altar with the Lord, then what is the essence of the public prayer that they are praying? The enemy will just be laughing at us. So this type of women that God is asking to be raised are women who are first maintaining their own communion with the Lord on a personal level. And then they will now bring in the plea of other people before the king. And do I need to say, how we need such people? I'm praying that the Lord will raise for us godly women whose personal work with God is intact and who can stand in the gap even at the battlefront for our church, for the church and for the nations. And if you look at these scriptures, what it brought to my heart again is the role of men in ministry. I am saying that their role is to prepare brides, people who know and understand the need to go in and fellowship and dialogue with the King Eternal. They will not only push individuals to go and pray. You see, these ministers will not be raising prayer warriors in their churches, but they themselves will be prayer warriors. They will teach them. They will teach these people how to pray and they themselves will be praying people. And was that not what Jesus himself taught his disciples in Luke 11? He taught his disciples how to pray while he himself was an embodiment of prayer. And it is my prayer that the Lord will raise you up. The Lord will raise me up as model of intercessors, model of Christian men. And I'm praying God will raise for himself Examples of men or the pupit who will push forth the gospel. God will raise for himself faithful ministers of the gospel who will not just burden the people of God with activities, but who will point the people of God back to God and to how they can commune with God and what to commune with God about. That was what Bad Shiva enjoyed even in her relationship with Nathan. That was what Nathan did to Bathsheba. Nathan prepared Bathsheba and pushed Bathsheba to go in before King David. And Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. When God found Nathan as godly counselor, we found safety. And Proverbs 15.22 also says, Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. I love the way the King James put it. It says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Wow. I'm praying that God will begin to raise for the church. Preachers, pastors, pastors' wives, who will be godly counselors? Who will raise bad shivers? Women who know who they are in Christ. Women who can go in before God out of their personal relationship and place a demand on the Lord over our generation, over the church, and over the society. 
Tari. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this series and how far you've taken us. I'm praying that you will take this foolish talk of mine and let your wisdom come out of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to welcome you back to the Baby Reviver podcast and back to this series, The King Shall Be Enthroned Again. If you have missed any series, this is day four of this series. Go back to our website www.ocofrighteousness.co.uk. There you will find this series and other series. If you check our WIR podcast, and then if you need to contact us, everything you need to contact us is on the website. Uh, you can contact us via WhatsApp, email, or chat us on the website, or give us a call on plus four four seven nine four four three nine eight. 415. So, on this series today, I want us to go ahead and look at the woman in the gap. We have been settling on 1 Kings chapter 1 and we saw the king's name, the pride of Adonijah, the wise counsel of Nathan. We saw how Nathan stepped in in wisdom and awoke Bathsheba from slumber that there is fire on the mountain, run, run, run. So I want us to look at what Bathsheba made of that wake-up call. Did she receive the call and go back to sleep, or did she arose to act? So the woman in the gap. So we are going to go back again to that first Kings chapter 1, and we will read verse 15 to 21 and verse 28 to 31. Again, I will read this time from... Um, from the new king james and it says so Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king now the king was very old and nabishak the shunammite was serving the king and Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king then the king said what is your wish then she said to him my lord you swore by the lord your god to your maid servant saying assuredly solomon your son shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne so now look, Adonijah has become king, and now, my lord the king, you do not know about it. He has sacrificed oxen and fattened cow, and, and fatted cattle and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king, Abiata the priest, and Joab the commander of the army. But Solomon your servant, he has not invited. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my Lord the King after him. Otherwise, it will happen when my Lord the King rests with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. From verse 28 now, then King David answered and said, call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king, and the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. 
Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, Lord, let my Lord King David live forever. You know, as I'm reading this, what came to my heart is this scripture that says, when God says, command me of my handiwork. You see, I'm seeing Bathsheba reminding the King David as though he forgot his promise. That did you not promise that Solomon would be the king? And you see our God who never forgets, even say to us, remind me of my promises as though he forgets. But he says so, so that you and I can actually remember his promises. So the woman in the gap, Nathan having informed and shown Bathsheba what to do. We are now seeing Bathsheba acting. She was not a woman in passive. She was not that type of woman that you give an instruction and she act passively. No. Bathsheba had a great role to play in stopping the reign of Adonijah. Her rising or her sitting down will either ma or make Solomon. Her rising or sitting down we either give power to Adonijah or dethrone Adonijah. So we see Bathsheba arising in accordance to the counsel that was given her. And to be honest, I hail Nathan. You can see that he did not counsel Bathsheba to go and be fighting Adonijah. That wasn't the counsel. He didn't counsel her to arise to fight. No, she was not to arise to go and fight Adonijah's men. But rather, he was to arise and take his petition before the king. Oftentimes, Christians, sometimes we say, well, we are signing a petition. We are doing this. It's okay. I'm not saying we shouldn't sign petition. That's not what I'm saying. Sometimes we carry our placard. Oh, we don't want this. We don't want that. When we have not first determined what we want and what we don't want in the presence of our king. So what Nathan cancelled Bathsheba was not first to go and do a demonstration, no, but first to go before the king. Maybe if we, the church, also begin to go into our king as an individual, maybe we won't have need to be sending petitions to men or carrying placard as we begin to faithfully and timely arise to go in before the king of kings. Bathsheba went into King David, as you can see, in verse 15. The Bible says, Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. So Bathsheba was not passive. She got up to act. She reminded the king of the king's oath to her. Did God also not say to us that we should remind him of his word? So if Bathsheba should go in before King David and reminded him, of what he said how much more you and i our own king is not like king david who may forget his promise as we arise may we begin to see god act on our behalf in jesus name amen so in bathsheba standing in the gap she told david what adonijah was doing you see she placed a petition before david just as we also need to place our petition before the king of kings. She also reminded the king, David, of the fact that the eyes of the whole Israel 
was upon David. Was that not what she said? Verse 20 of that first king one. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my lord, the king, after him. It's as if she's saying, look, King David, Adonijah enthroning himself as king is not the problem. What matters is what you say. And uh, that is what I'm perceiving also, that look, what the law of our land is saying is not necessarily the problem. What matters is what is our God saying? So she reminded the king of the fact that the eyes of the old Israel are upon David to tell them who should sit on the throne. And finally also, from verse 28 to verse 30, we see David acting. And finally, in Bathsheba approaching King David, she also spoke what would become of her and her son Solomon if the king refused to act in verse 21 she said otherwise it will happen when my lord the king rests with his father that i and my son will be counted as offenders so Bathsheba stood in the gap for herself for her son and for the land and the king in response responded to Bathsheba's petition and the king david swore again to make solomon the king is that not amazing? Is that not wonderful? You know, it reminds me of Isaiah 14, 24, when God says, the purpose that he has proposed is what we stand. God's design, God's purpose for your family, for your marriage, for our nation, and even the church remains. His purpose never changes. It's we, human, that have changed. God is more committed unto establishing his will. But he seeks for women who will partner with him as we bring him to remembrance again, as though he's forgotten. He never forgets. But as we arise as women in the gap, as we arise as his remembrances, who will get up to remind God of his promises of old concerning our nation, concerning the church, we will see God arise to enthrone himself again in our societal life. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run through and through throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have words. Now is the first part that I really need. God's eyes is going south, west, east and north, looking, searching for that woman whose heart is loyal to God. Who comes into the presence of God with our petition? God wants to show himself strong on our behalf, on the behalf of our children. Are we going to be women who will wail at his feet? In Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 17, God asks that they should call for mourning women, for wailing women, for skillful wailing women, so that they can come and wail even for their people. May God find you and I as his willing women at such a time as ours. This is the time for us to arise as intercessors in our various homes, praying for our government, praying for the church. With the church, we are confused. We have left the sound doctrine of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we are saying where well, it is the 21st century 
church. So we are saying God has changed. The Bible is no longer relevant. And I'm praying that God will begin to find you and I as faithful intercessors for the church so that the church can be revived again, so that the church can be restored again, so that biblical order can be restored to our homes as the Lord finds you as a faithful woman in the gap. Amen. Father, we thank you for this series and how far you have taken us. I pray that you will once again speak whatsoever is in your heart for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Welcome back to the Women and Revival podcast. We are still on the series, The King Shall Be Enthroned Again. For me, I am very hopeful. I am very hopeful. I am looking forward to see what the Lord will do even in our time and in our generation. We have been journeying through the book of 1st Kings chapter 1 and we've seen the king's need, we've seen the pride of Adonijah, we've seen the wise counsel of Nathan, we've seen the woman in the gap and today we want to look at the Solomons on the wheel. If you've missed any of this episode, please do go back to our website so that you can really know where we are coming from www.oakofrighteousness.co.uk Go on our WIR podcast. Actually, on our home page, if you scroll down, you will see our recent podcast. So, we want to look at Solomon's on, on the mule. We've seen the arrogance of the Adonijah in David's time. Let us see the wisdom of God. God having found a counselor in Nathan that called Bathsheba to order and Bathsheba having responded to the order and having gone before the king let us see what God is about to do so let's go again to 1st Kings chapter 1 verse 32 to 40 is what we'll be reading today and I read and King David said call to me Zadok the priest Nathan the prophet and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king. Now this was after the king had spoken to Bathsheba. Verse 33 now. The king also said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and take him down to Gihon. This is where I want us to really capture. Put Solomon on my own mule. Remember Bathsheba was saying to King, uh, King David that look, the eyes of all Israel is upon you. They are waiting for you to tell them who is the king. And are you saying now, for David to step in, he didn't say go and get Adonijah for me. Go and shoot him down. Go and do this. No, that wasn't the case. He said, take Solomon, put him on the mule. He says, and have Solomon, my son, ride on my own mule and take him down to Gihon. There let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn and say, Long live the king Solomon. Then you shall come after him and he shall come and sit on my throne and he shall be king in my place for I have appointed him to be the ruler 
over Israel and Judah. I don't know whether this is making sense to you. This is exciting me. When Solomon sits on the mule, of course, the whole eyes of Israel will see him on the king's mule. And that automatically tells them the message. Now, verse 36 downward. Beniah, the son of Jeroiada, answered the king and said, Amen. May the Lord God of my Lord the king say so too. As the Lord has been with my Lord the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Beniah the son of Jeroiada, the Cheritites and the Pelitites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and took him to Gihon. Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon and the bloody horn and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. Amen. I am seeing, oh, when light shines, light shines effortlessly. When God begins to find his own Solomon to put on his mule, to stand on his pedestal, the many Adonijahs will be silent. So as Bathsheba went into the king and brought the king, reminders of the king's past oath, and Nathan buttressing the point before the king, we now see King David acting on behalf of Solomon. We now see King David acting on behalf of Solomon. How? First, if you look at the scriptures that we read in verse 32, he said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So David asked for Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah to be called in. You see, Solomon did not have to go about making way for himself, nor scheming his way. The king arranged for David, for Solomon. The king himself arranged for, David, for Solomon the right people that Solomon needed. Unlike Adonijah that gathered people to himself. It was the king that arranged the right people for Solomon. The right people that needed to see to the enthronement of Solomon. And the second thing also is the king commanded them. He commanded them to cause his son to sit on his meal and bring him down to Gihon. Is that not beautiful? In verse 33, the king said also, Take with you the, the servants of your Lord and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and take him down to Gihon. So we see the king that Bathsheba approached undertaking for Solomon now. So when God finds women who learn to come in before him as his remembrances, he will command the right people to act. You see, David commanded the right people to act for Solomon. He also put his own Solomon on the mule, isn't it? And if God finds faithful women of intercessors, faithful intercessors, God will put his own Solomons on the throne. But Adonijah will continue to rule and usurp authority as long as women are not also going in for personal audience with the king. 
So are you, the woman listening to me, going to take up your personal place in the presence of God? Or are you going to jeopardize it? It's as if the revival we are believing God for depends on your personal prayer time. I do appreciate congregational meetings. I do appreciate corporate prayers. But could God depend on your prayers also? There was something a sister shared some years ago that the Lord said to Ada, look, I can give the whole of Europe to a praying woman in the closet of her bedroom. And God can do so. I'm praying that the Lord will begin to raise us to be women who will go in to have personal audience with the king. And I also see that for the king to do the right thing, he actually did not summon Adonijah. I don't know whether you see that as I read from verse 32 to 40 of that first king's one. The king did not say, go and get me Adonijah. What an unruly child he is. How could he do that? He didn't go about fighting and quarreling with Adonijah. No. We fought many Adonijahs in our time. We've done all sorts of things, but nothing is happening because the right place where changes take place, we are not going there, the place of prayer. So we see, King David did not summon Adonijah to come to him or that someone should go and arrest Adonijah. But instead, he commanded that Solomon, the king's son, be put on the king's mule. That was the wisdom of David. The art is the Lord's and its fullness thereof. Thrones, dominions, kingdoms are all his. And God gives it to whosoever he wills. And it is the Father's pleasure to give the thrones to his Solomons, his genuine sons and daughters of the kingdom. God wants to see his children take the seat of MP, take the seat of councillors, take the seat of governors, presidents, and prime ministers of nations. Why? The art belongs to the Lord. May the Lord find sons and daughters whom God can set on his mule, even in the health sector, in our educational sector, in the film industry, in the fashion industry, in our political seats, and various places where Solomon needs to be put on the seat. Why? So that our God can be glorified amongst the kingdom of men. So that our world will know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. Romans chapter 8 verse 19 reads, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Our world is waiting for the revealing of God Solomon's on the mules. God, the, the mules, the mule represent the pedestals, the platforms that God wants to put his own children upon so that people can know that there is a God indeed. Our generation awaits the showing forth, the manifestation of the sons of God. And it is my prayer that the Lord will raise us up as his replacement sons and daughters, who God can put on various platforms of operation to sit on the throne for him. May God give men in parliament, men in government, men in our financial industries, men in our hospitals, who will be his Solomons, 
who will be God's right hand man. And another thing that I also saw in David stepping in is that not only was Solomon supposed to sit on the king's meal, if you read that scripture in 1 Kings chapter 1 from verse 33, you can see that Solomon was not only to just sit on the meal, but in verse 34, he was to be anointed as king over Israel. And in verse 35, Solomon, Solomon is to come and sit on the tree. says, then you shall come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne and he shall be king in my place for I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. So we see that when God found a faithful woman who interceded, David arose and put things in place. David said in verse 35 that he has appointed Solomon to be the ruler over Israel and Judah. And you can see that the men the king commanded to carry out the enthroning of Solomon acted accordingly. And all the people came with their pipes. They rejoiced, which is a sign that they accepted Solomon as their king. Why? Because the king himself was the one who assigned Solomon to be the king. The honest expectation of creation, they are waiting eagerly for the sons of God to manifest. And God himself is waiting eagerly to show forth his son. Are you his son? Are you his daughter? Are you willing for God to make you Solomon that will sit on his meal in your workplace, on your street? Some of you, you are seeking promotion in your workplace. And it's not as if God does not want to give you the promotion. But your lifestyle right now does not show forth the attitude of a child of God. And God will not give his pearl to swine. And I am praying that the Lord will challenge your heart to consider your way of life now. That you will be a believer indeed. You put aside lifestyles attitudes, speech, actions, way of life that do not reflect even the lifestyle of the kingdom so that God can make way for you even where there seems to be no way. So that God can set you on his own pedestal where you can reign, where you can rule as his own chosen daughter in your sphere of influence. Amen. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Idato, for your adventures. As we've come again, please, Lord, speak and give us ears to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so, so much for still joining me on Women in Revival. I'm praying that the Lord will speak to your heart and that you will run with whatsoever the Lord is saying to you. I want to encourage you to take your time to look at the book of First Kings chapter 1 by yourself. I'm sure when you sit down, you will find deep things than whatsoever we have shared together on this series of Women in Revival. We are still looking at the series, 
the king shall be enthroned again. Our Lord shall be enthroned in our schools again, in our hospitals again. It is possible. Our Lord will come in revival again. So last time on Women in Revival, we were saying the Solomons on the mill. We saw how David put, commanded that his son David be put on his own mill and how he was paraded around the town and how he was enthroned as king. And today I want us to look at the destabilizing of Adonijah's reign. Remember, Adonijah has usurped authority. He was very proud of himself. He was full of pride. He took over the throne and God found a Nathan, a godly counselor, who counseled Bathsheba aright. And Bathsheba went in before the king and then power changed hands. And David stepped in and things were resolved. So today, let us look at the destabilizing of Adonijah's reign, since there cannot be two kings on the throne. And so also, I want you to know, the God that allowed Adonijah to be destabilized will allow every Adonijah in our time to also be destabilized. There is hope. I am very hopeful. So let's go again to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 1, and today we read from verse 41 to 49 and it reads now adonijah had all the guests who were with him had it now adonijah and all the guests who were with him had it as they finished eating and when joab heard the sound of the horn he said why is the city in such a noisy uproar while he was still speaking there came jonathan the son of abiata the priest and adonijah said to him come in for you are a prominent man and bring good news. Then Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, No, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites and the Belitites, and they have made him ride on the king's mule. So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gion, and they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. Also Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom, on the throne of the kingdom. And moreover, the king's servants have gone to bless our Lord King David, saying, May God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and may he make his throne greater than your throne. Then the king bowed himself on the bed, also the king said thus, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has given one to sit on my throne this day, this day, while my eyes see it. So all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid and arose, and each one went his way. Wow, is this not beautiful? What a beautiful story. What a beautiful story. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Wow. They destabilize arguments. Old, old arguments are, are destabilized as we use the weapon of our warfare. So here is it. We are seeing the, the destabilizing of Adonijah. You know, sometimes we, the church of God, oftentimes focus so much on the Adonijahs and the activities of the Adonijahs in our generation. But you see, for Nathan the prophet, 
he only focused on pushing Bathsheba to the king while he also supported notions. And as the king had these two people, power changed hands. So they were not arguing and fighting Adonijah. They went and pressed the right button. They went before the presence of the king. We have many who are pushing many agenda, many petitions, many things out there, but we have no place in the presence of God. I think that is where we, the church, we are getting it wrong. So Adonijah was not questioned or summoned. Nobody even asked him, why did you use up authority? No. Nobody asked, why did you use up power as a result of the declining of your father's health? No. What was done was to put a Solomon on the throne, not to go about arguing with Adonijah. And I think this is another place where we are failing as a church. We are not preparing Solomons, young men and women, people who will take strategic places in the future. We are packing all of them. They are all preaching, praying, leading this session in church, leading that session. And I do believe there is a place for that. But while we are helping them to do that, can we also be preparing them, you know, be strategic? A few days ago, my daughter was talking to me about the woman Condoleezza Rice. And she said, a life challenge her. She read one of the books that we have here at home about Condoleezza Rice. And she said, mm, she saw how to strategize. You know, we need to equip our young people. Let them read books that will challenge their thinking. Let them read books that will give them kingdom vision for going into medicine. We need to give them books. Let us create an environment that will saturate their hearts whereby they see they are going into politics, they are going into medicine, they are going into education, is to push Jesus' agenda. There is a need to quietly be raising Solomon's. And I think that is where we are failing. But I'm praying that this, pro, this particular series will challenge your heart as a wife, as a mother in your home. That son of yours, that daughter of yours, could he, could she be God Solomon for the future? I'm praying the Lord will challenge you. So what was done was not to be insulting and arguing with the Adonijah. Instead, the king put a Solomon on the throne and immediately Adonijah was silenced. We have some people that are speaking blasphemy against the name of God. We have some people in our House of Parliament, in our Senate offices, in some of our nations, you know. We have people who are denouncing the Bible, who are saying all sorts of things. But we don't have people who can rise up and put them to shame with the way they live their lives. Even when we claim we have Christians in the seat, in political seat, they only go there to seek money, not to promote the kingdom of God. So the moment the king had for himself a Solomon, immediately Adonijah was silenced. Those in Adonijah's cabinet were all silenced. For the news of Solomon's enthronement reached them quickly. The news got to them. 
you know, verse 49 says, So all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid and arose, and each one went his way. Wow! All these men that were with Adonijah, they rose up and went their way. Why? The enthronement of Solomon by King David speaks volume and authority to them all. The enthronement of Solomon spoke more than what they expected. So they need not argue or do anything than for them to destabilize themselves. And I believe we will see the fading away of kingdoms, the fading away of laws, the fading away of rules, the fading away of bills, the fading away of way of life that contradict the word of God as God himself finds Solomon's whom he can put in display in every level of position and societal status. Laws and rules that seems binding for long will become obsolete as our God finds and puts his Solomon's in position of powers. I'm praying that you will join God in this enterprise of ease. May you and I be part of his co-laborers who will be raising Solomon's, who will be working tirelessly in raising and working together with God to put his Solomon's on his throne so that the mouth of the Adonijahs of our time can be silent. May God raise for us Christian doctors, Christian MPs, Christian governors, Christian counselors, Christian school teachers, Christian health teachers, Christian ministers in government who will be able to be God's Solomon that will turn around things to the glory of God. This is the challenge if we are going to see God enthroned again in our society. I have a part to play. You have a part to play. The problem is not just the church. You is the problem. I am the problem. My home is to be the mini church. Church ought to start from my home. How are you busy with your children? What are you helping your children to become in life? The mistake that you make, are you allowing your children to make the same? Are you partnering with God to raise for him? Men, women of godliness, the people who know their God, who will do exploit for the Lord as they become his Solomons on the mule, his Solomon in the places of power, his Solomon who can stand shoulder to shoulder with their counterpart. Young men, young women who are well educated, who understand the time, who understand history, who understand the various subjects, who can boldly make their mind clear over any matter, over any situation, and bring about the mind of God for our time. I'm praying that the Lord will help us. Help me, the Christian woman. Help you, the Christian woman, to see the need to begin to raise even Solomon's for the Lord. Amen.
of revival and I believe that our king shall be enthroned again. I'm praying that my nation Britain will become that Christian Britain again where Christ will be magnified that as the Lord moved in revival in the everydays as he moved in, in those days in Wales in various British Isles I'm praying that we will see him move again as he did in many parts of the European nations. I am praying that he will do it again in Belgium, in France, in Germany, in Romania, in Holland, all over the world. We are trusting the Lord that he will reign again. Before him to reign, I have a part to play. You have a part to play. If you have missed any episode of this series, you will find it on our website www.okofrighteousness.co.uk and you can contact us via our website or if you need our phone number it's plus four four seven nine four four three nine eight four one five we've come to the end of this series we started by looking at the king's need we saw king david who was old who couldn't get warm again and he needed a virgin and then we left there, we saw the pride of Adonijah, who enthroned himself as king. And then we saw the wise counsel of Nathan, who beckoned on Bathsheba and told Bathsheba the right step to take. And we saw the woman in the gap, Bathsheba, who went in before King David and made petition on behalf of his son. And afterwards, the king arose to act and put Solomon on the new. And the moment Solomon was put on the new and declared king, we saw the destabilizing of the reign of Adonijah. And today we want to look at the surrender of Adonijah. The Adonijahs of our time will not only be destabilized, but they will surrender to the Lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ. This ones who says our Lord will not rule over them. The honest truth is that whether every knee likes it, whether, whether every tongue wants it, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall definitely confess that Jesus is Lord. But how lovely, how wonderful will it be if every knee confesses Jesus now, if every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. And if every knee bows to the Lordship of our sovereign God. So let us go again to the scripture that we have been looking at. 1 Kings chapter 1 as we consider the surrender of Adonijah. 1 Kings chapter 1 will read verse 50 to verse 53. It says, Now Adonijah was afraid of Solomon 
So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon. For look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Then Solomon said, If he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent them to bring him down from the altar. And he came and fell down before King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. Amen. Wow. This is very, very exciting for me. The surrender of Adonijah. The surrender of the many, many Adonijah of our time. The many Adonijahs will be coming to take refuge under the name of our God. So we have seen how King, how the strength of King David declined as a result of his old age, and how Abishag was brought in to cherish and minister to the king. We also saw while all eyes were fixing on the declining health of the king. Adonijah crept in. Adonijah made himself king over the people of God. But you know, as difficult and as busy as things were in order to keep King David warm, we saw that Adonijah took over. Nevertheless, there was a Nathan, the prophet of God, who also stepped in. He was well informed of the things that were going on in the community, you know. It's not like a, a situation where the church is cut away from community. No. He was well informed with what was going on in the community. And he knew of how Adonijah usurped authority. And Nathan did not create a sin or a quarrel with Adonijah nor Abiata or Joab. Instead, we saw Nathan called Bathsheba to himself and he kept Bathsheba with what Bathsheba needed to do. He told Bathsheba to go into the king in order to remind him of his oath, and Nathan himself came in to back out Bathsheba. And as that was done, Solomon was put on the throne according to the king's oath and desire. And as a result of that, Adonijah's reign a cabinet collapsed. And now, we are now seeing Adonijah seeking refuge from Solomon. The Bible says in that verse 51 of 1 Kings chapter 1 that it was told Solomon saying, Indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon. He went to hold the horn of the altar. It's a way of surrendering in those days. Thy surrender. Solomon, the sure king of Israel and Judah, saw the surrendering of Adonijah even in his time. Adonijah sought refuge from Solomon, the sure king of Israel and Judah. Adonijah went into the temple of God, holding on to the horns of the altar as a sign of seeking refuge. We saw him. He came to the end of himself. He couldn't argue the fact that Solomon was the king's choice. He couldn't argue that the king has chosen Solomon to be king after him. Adonijah was brought before Solomon, as we see, 
in verse 53 the king sent for adonijah to be brought down from the altar and adonijah came and fell down before king solomon and solomon said go to your house so adonijah was brought before the king solomon adonijah may be older than solomon he may be influential than solomon he may be well known than solomon Yet the Bible says, the wicked shall bow before the gates of the righteous. When God help you and I, the Christian woman, the Christian families, to play our part, and as God begin to help the church, to begin to equip Solomon's, to begin to uphold the biblical standards, we will begin to see many Adonijah coming to bow before our God. The wicked shall bow before the gate of the righteous. God is able to bring the Adonijahs that promote gender fluidity, the Adonijahs that are promoting abortion in our time, those who are promoting morality, God is able to, to bring them to bow to his will. Those educationists who are promoting things that are not right for our children, God is able to bring them to bow their knee to him. The matter actually is not with the world, nor the usurpers, but the matter is usually in my hands, in your hands. It's with us, the church. We, the people of God. And the challenge for me is what must you do? What must I do? And these are the things I want to highlight that I believe we need to do if we are seeking the king of kings to be enthroned again so that our prayer for revival is not just a prayer that just come and go and nothing happens like um the cry in jeremiah 8 that is not the lord in zion it's not our king in her why have they provoked me to anger with your graven images and what have you verse 20 then says this is jeremiah 8 the harvest is past the summer is ended and we are not saved so that ours is not like that. So we don't see we are afraid, we are fasted, nothing happens. So what must you and I do as part of the body of Christ? I believe we must cherish and minister to our King eternal in the way we live, in our outlook, in our speech on a daily basis. You and I, our lives must erad the gospel. That is, you must be a practicing Christian. Secondly, ministers in the church should prepare souls to build the personal relationship with God. As people who have opportunity to preach the gospel, to pastor a church, we must not be content and be satisfied that we have 100 people in our churches, a thousand people, thousands of people. No, God is not going to work with numbers. God is seeking for righteous people. So as ministers in the church, we should prepare souls to build deep personal relationship with God to the point that these ones can boldly go in before the king, even when it means personal intercession over societal matters. I don't know if this makes sense. A situation where we, the church, can prepare people who knows how to pray, not only because you called a corporate prayer, but their own very life is a life of intercession.
And another thing that we must do is that as ministers in the church, we should not only prepare souls, but we must also go into the king of the universe. So while you prepare people, you also must make sure that your life is lived as a living sacrifice. Make sure that your own closet life as a pastor, as a pastor's wife, is intact. So as we raise intercessors, as we raise men and women who are interceding and praying and working well with God, we also should also be intercessors, people who make our concerns known to God regarding the situation in our generation. And the number four thing that I believe we must do is that let us spend our lives to prepare replacement sons and daughters. And how do we do this? In your family, invest in the life of your children. We must labor to partner with God over our children. They are the Solomons of tomorrow. And I'm praying that as you do your part, as I do my part, may we see the dethroning of the Adonijahs and the surrendering of the Adonijahs and the reigning of God's children, even in our time and in time to come. We have seen through this series that God is seeking for Abishag. God is seeking for Nathans. God is seeking for Bathshebas. God is seeking for Solomons. God is seeking for men and women who will dethrone the Adonijahs of our time. And I believe as God find you and find me as his faithful people, we will see God act. We will see God enthroned again in our educational system, in our family system, in the church life, in on our streets, and in various parts of our communal living. Christ will be. Christ must be. Christ shall be enthroned again. You know, I feel like finishing this series with this song. It's a hymn that says, Jesus shall reign. It says, Jesus shall reign wherever sun does its successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall rise and set no more. Yes, Jesus shall reign in our world again. People and realms of every tongue shall declare his love in sweetest song. Blessings abound where Jesus reigns. To Jesus shall endless prayer be made. And I'm praying that you will play your part. And I will play my part in being the Nathans, the Bathshebas, the Solomons, that God can put on the throne, that God can depend upon to step in in intercession as we see his kingdom come and his will be done and as he release revival unto us again. Amen.